That's why when you see Elon Musk again with the X up, when he says X, that means get rid of all those that are in contention that need to be removed in the final solution. So they're going to get rid of everybody that's contrary to them. My family was very religious right. It was given that I'd be going to Pat Robertson's university. Basically, they didn't let me choose where I wanted to go. They told me where I'd be going. We started having indoctrination programs where we're told scriptures with a slant that Robertson wanted. We are set apart from all other humanity, even other Christians, that only CBN will tell you the truth. No other denomination will. No other religious body will. That we're in competition with other religions. It's a cult. It is common knowledge that the sex ring is operating, and Robertson was part of it. I was to appear on the 700 Club as Robertson's right-hand man. What I was supposed to be really was his sex boy, just like Jerry Falwell's pool boy. So that's what I was being groomed for. They used to give you positions so you were then legitimately usable. You'd be used. I'm to be the head of the Christian coalition, the face of it. So basically, I would be misleading people with my face, my eyes, my dimples to follow an antichrist agenda. Because Lyons Paul, Pat Robertson, was very much a believer in Satan. And the sex ring seemed to work for that. He said he used the evangelical demographic for his base because in his own newsletter, Pat Robertson's perspective, he said that it is one of the dumbest demographics, he actually put it in his newsletter, that it's one of the dumbest or ignorant, most ignorant demographics. So he used that for his foundation. He didn't care about being a pastor. He dropped it like wet wool. Because the whole idea was he was only doing that to make money. Welcome to the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things biblical, supernatural, and strange. Today, Luke and I conclude our bombshell, explosive conversation with the incomparable Tom Althouse, the original and rightful creator of The Matrix. And this one, guys, this one is not suitable for kids. This one, Tom gets into quite a bit of how he was groomed to be part of a very dark cabal of pseudo-Christians, those that pretended in the name of God to uphold the things of God, but had quite a seedy underbelly. So yeah, use some discretion, guys, on listening to this one around any young ears, um, as Tom doesn't pull any punches about what he went through and the things that he was exposed to. So with that, let's finish our conversation with Tom. So if I could sum it up, it would be a two-part, two-pronged attack. Buy off with rewards and promises to family members and then marginalize the target as crazy and haul them away. Yes, and use your media to slam it home. Look up the article sometime of the Wachowskis from TMZ. TMZ is owned by Warner Brothers that launched on me worldwide. 
that um, they said that um, you know a know nothing hack that they didn't I didn't they didn't jack the work and that I didn't return comments. The attorney for Warner Brothers is the attorney for TMZ that had his def- her defendants get right on the paper and do that whole article. It's a circus supplying an unlicensed attorney to come to me. Now get this with child services involved, right? It, it sickens me that she was not there for my child's welfare, that that was staged, the interview of him. That's what pissed me off about Samantha Harrison the most. And if you hear passion right now, she committed a horrible crime and lied to us and took advantage of my son. Samantha, Samantha Harrison, Samantha Harrison is the um, social worker from the child services from Bucks County child services. Oh, okay. Who was on these paperwork from this law firm we found where she was trying to see if she could put me away for life. Now here's the deal. If they get, they have my sister standing by my sister had my niece, Rachel Stevenson calling the doctors not to help us, but to say, Julia Zarka will take Aiden because they had a problem. Where will Aiden go? So you put my mom away too. They wanted to make the money off of her. It's insane. Yeah. So what was going on was they had it all placed. And what was going to happen was they're going to take Aiden. And I would not see Aiden. Here's what was going to happen. When I was having the mental facility for life, I was supposed to give my work over and allow it to happen because I would never see Aiden again. If I behaved myself, I was told, Aiden would be allowed to visit, but it wouldn't be Aiden anymore. It'd be a reprogrammed Aiden who wouldn't even, who would think I was some kind of criminal. So it wouldn't be much of a visit. Well, one of the interesting things about, um, how they play is they will pull anybody in. And so we're talking about Samantha Harrison as working for child services, pretending to be on our side. There was another group called sanctuary and it was a group I went to, to see if I had protection against 302s because they kept happening. So I needed a clean bill of health. So I went to a lady, um, uh, who was at this place called sanctuary and she did 12 weeks with me of testing and everything else. Right. And, um, Caitlin Farrell was her name. She seemed like such a sweetheart and she went over all the evidence and I brought it to her and I made it clear what I was there for to see if, uh, there could be some kind of, uh, validation that I shouldn't be hauled off on these false accusations. And it sounded like a smart move to make. And my mom was actually helping me with that. And um, so we ha- already had another man, another woman named Ann Gluck, who was very highly qualified, that did a diagnosis after two, two days of extensive testing, which included um, uh, IQ and such like that, and ink blots and everything, the whole gamut. We did the whole thing. She came up with gifted genius, and she said that um, tremendous empathy – she said, the only thing you had was um, you had that I had rose colored glasses on where I wanted to believe that everybody was good at their core. Well, that's how I survived childhood. I wanted to believe that everybody was good at their core. So that's she was picking up on what I had decided as a young person. And so what's interesting is um, that was the only thing she could draw, which like PTSD, she thought, was that vision of people as maintaining that everyone has good in them. So um, she was then approached by my sister and the congressman apparently, and she was afraid to make the report. This is Ann Gluck, the first one. That's how they work. And so she told me on the phone she was afraid to make the diagnosis. She said, quote, she didn't want happening to her family what happened to me. And I said, well, just do your job and just write what you, know, what you saw. Just do it ethically. Just do it. 
and you're on the winning side anyway. We are going to get this done with a documentary and everything. Just be on, you're on the winning side. So she wrote it all up. She did it. Same thing happens to Caitlin Farrell. When I'm with Caitlin Farrell, the 12 weeks sessions go. She does a diagnosis of just PTSD only. She comes over to me and says, we need to do a safety plan. And a safety plan is where you write down that you value life, you love life. And I said how I love my son, my mom, things like this, that I would never harm anybody because of wanting to have compassion. It's a safety plan, right? Here's what happens. Congressman and my sister don't like that. So um, in Game of Thrones, remember the, the red-headed queen tears up the documents? It's unethical. But what happens is she does that diagnosis after 12 weeks. We're good to go. She says, let's do a safety plan just to make sure. She comes over to the couch where I am, gets up on it with me with like her knees up on the couch, like very casual. And so there's sort of a contact between us. And she takes my hand and she's like, you know, I'm, um, it's such an honor to meet you kind of thing. It sounds like really good, right? And so I'm like saying to her, I take her hand, shake it. And I said like, um, it really is an honor for me too. It's really been great working with you. And so that's how we left it. That's the last time I saw her. What happened in the meantime was um, I was told, give the diagnosis to the congressman so maybe they'll stop doing what they're doing. Wrong move. As soon as my sister saw it, I'm told, she tore it up. Tore it up. Can't do that. Didn't suit her needs. But the address was on there from Sanctuary and Caitlin Farrell and her number, right? So they contacted Caitlin Farrell. They scare her that I never see her again. Caitlin Farrell handwrites a change on that diagnosis from 12 weeks and says everything my sister wanted. Remember that call when my son died? She wanted yep. what, bipolar? She wrote that down. Right. So she writes down bipolar one and two for my sister. She writes down that I was um, – we, when we were having our session, she said, Tom, there's no way you're a paranoid schizophrenic. In fact, that's a Hollywood term. And what Robertson and Hollywood came up with, you, you're not. I did the diagnosis. You're not that at all. That changes to a handwritten account against her own diagnosis saying Tom is um, schizophrenic with paranoid tendencies. So she was compromised. Completely. But, completely. but at the beginning, you believe she was She genuine. was genuine in the beginning. Okay. This, uh, what okay. I'm illustrating is the power of the agencies to buy people off. Yeah. Right? So it's either, it's either buy off or threaten, right? Or th threat and both. Threat and yeah. reward. Okay. So what happened was – Suddenly, I'm hauled off with a 302, and now look what's missing. The 302 goes forward with Caitlin Farrell writing this handwritten account, not a diagnosis, right? Saying that she was contacted for 30 days. Well, you have to diagnose for 30 days, but she's not diagnosing me. She's not talking to me. She's relying on Julie's calls to make a diagnosis. You can't do that. And who is she submitting this information? Like, what's the point of writing it down? Who is she she's giving it to? She's giving it child services. And the SWAT team and the police. And, and you were what age at this time or what? This was, this was just like um, two years ago or oh, three wow. years ago. Three years okay. ago. It's okay. one of the final 302 attempts, right? My sister's always spouting she's going to do it again. But get this. In the processing, when I'm hauled off by the um, SWAT teams, where's the diagnosis? Not included in the report. The diagnosis, it says, I'm fine that Kate and Farrell did, left out. Where's the safety plan? Left out. The very tools that were in place to protect me are left out by Caitlin Farrell. Wow. Then also what's missing is the letter I wrote her where I was thanking her for everything she had done and that a 302 attempt was going to happen. 
And I'm asking her, you know, please stand by me through this because I'll need your help. Yeah. She leaves the letter out. So the letter, diagnosis, and the safety plan are all left out. All the tools that would protect me. And she handwrites whatever my sister, it's like a shopping list. My sister wanted bipolar, so why not throw in bipolar one and two? Yeah. And paranoid schizophrenic and dangerous and crazy and everything else. And there I'm told by the one doctor there when the Secret Service came in, they came in, as my sister bragged they would. They were there in the lockup. They came in bragging in front of me they were going to talk to the final doctor. Make sure I'm shut away for life. They meet with her in the morning. I had no sleep. The doctor comes in with, she says, a ream of allegations. She's first thing she out of her mouth. She says, you're not getting out of here. Right. So that's right after my niece calls that Julie has a niece call telling them that, um, Julie's going to take my son. My son doesn't want to go with Julie. She's insane. So this is, this is the most recent 302 attempt against you. One of the you. most how, recent how, 302 attempts. How many different times have they tried to do this to you? Six times? In Canada, even. In Canada. The first one, you were how old? I, I, the first one was done on me, is again, after Pat Robertson's organization in 1988. Okay. So it's spread out over time. Yes. And they're trying to create that I'm dangerous and crazy that's so I can be finished off with a final solution. Right. And they can or, take your work. That's right. That's why when you see Elon Musk again with the X up, when he says X, yep. well, that means get rid of all those that are in contention that need to be removed in a final solution. So they're going to get rid of everybody that's contrary to them. Well, that that's sounds like means. that sounds like the Steve Quayle green, blue, red list that he, his military contact supposedly exactly. said to him that – the red list is, yeah, those think of it like a no fly list. Nope. You're, you know, you're too antagonistic against the government or whatever. We're putting Am- you on the list. On Amazon, there's a terminal list on Amazon. It was a number one show just like a year ago. Number one show in terminal list, which I was told I'm on a list by Robertson's group. Put away list for life. Hmm. The name of the character in terminal list is Jim Reese. Neo's name which was given to this work in 1989 to 1993. Neo's name is right here. Let me hold it up for you. It's right there on that page. Let's see. see Uh, Jim Reese. Jim Reese. So Terminal List has the same character name we have preceding it, which represented Neo in Terminal List from Amazon. Wow. Okay, so let's, uh, as best we can, and I appreciate you, even if it's out of chronological order, uh, giving those examples of the 302, because I wanted to unpack that and and have our audience understand some of how that works and what's been done to you, and the connection to Hitler is very fascinating, too. Well, you just gave me something. I don't mean to jump all over you, but you just gave me something. I didn't explain, because you just tied me right into it how I got out of there. It was a done deal. It was a done deal. This they had a most Chinese recent guy, one? The recent one. Okay. One of the most recent ones. The guy named, uh, his name was, last name was Zhang, Z-H-A-N-G from China. They had a Chinese guy, doctor, get on the monitor. And here's what he asked me. This is how they rubber stamp it to put you away for life. No due process, no court hearing, nothing. And he said to me, he gets on the monitor after I've been overnight, I'm waiting all this time. He appears, he's very cold, Chinese guy, saying this in broken English. He's going, what medication are you on? Very cold. I'm like, I'm not taking any. 
What medication are you taking? None. <laughs> what medication are you currently taking? See what's going on? It's an interrogation. I'm like, I'm not on any medication at all. Okay, just hold on. He gets off the monitor, never appears again, and says I should be put away for life. I'm not taking medication. He's trying to get you to say it, but if that doesn't work, they'll do it anyway. They'll say you should be put away for life. Yeah. Then the do- then they go to this lady, the doctor, the last one. They need they had the police officer as one witness, Caitlin Farrell, who's bought off, the police officer that was bought off, you know, that's saying he's aggressive, already signed and delivered. It's like the it's like the um trial of Tyrion Lannister in Game of Thrones, right? You got your three guys. And then so this final doctor comes in, like I said, and says, you know, I have a ream allegations, and the first thing she says is, You're not getting out of here. You're never getting out of here. For life, for what? What did I do? What did I do? And then one of the accusations later I find is what? He thinks he wrote this. See the stamp on it? Yeah. See the yeah. PAU number? See, there's no copyright in the Matrix. So the Wachowskis should be put away because there's no copyright in the Matrix. Yeah. They're the ones that should be put away. There's, they copyright the Immortals of Tom Hanks. So what happens is I said, can I have a moment to explain? And she says, you have 10 minutes. 10 minutes to save my life and my son's life. <laughs> Mom's life. Think yeah, of it. How did you get out Exhausted, of it? Exhausted, no sleep. So I started showing her the evidence and what was a real risk to do that. I'm showing her the phone. There was the phone. So I hold up the phone, where it is right now, with the, uh, the birthday on the phone, you know, animatrix oh. with a 7259 you've seen. Yeah. So that's being shown. Um, whatever documentation I had there, the inserts. And she goes like this. She goes, at, at a 10 minute mark basis, she goes, okay, just hold on. Secret Service, we're in the next room. They're waiting for this to be completed. They were going to see it through. She comes back and says this to us, quote, okay, just go right now. Just get out of here right now. Just go. And she opens the door for you? She lets us go. She had the assistant. And and who let you go? The doctor, the final doctor that the Secret Service had been talking to. She was three hours late for me because they were harassing her, saying, and she came in with disheveled hair and everything. So they were grilling her. This man has to be put away. It's important. And so what happens is this one orderly comes in to do it where she goes off, you know, with the paper, and didn't even do paperwork for us. He comes in, he goes, I knew you guys didn't belong here. I knew you didn't belong here. I'm talking wow. to you like I talked to them. And so, so then, yeah, go ahead. They, they, they were using them, but they weren't on board. So once she saw through it, she's like, this is not right. They had the three locked in, Caitlin Farrell, police officer, and Dr. Chang. But it doesn't matter what I said, does it? Didn't matter what I was going to say. And then the Secret Service bra- came in, Secret Service, two of them, bragging they were going to work in this last doctor that I would never get out, letting it be here shot for me while they're talking to the receptionist. So I overhear it. They don't even have the courtesy to even talk to me. They're going to have me overhear it, right? Yeah. That's supposed to get you to rant. And you'll notice a talking point they always throw is that, oh, Tom Althaus always gets into a rant. I don't think I get into a rant, mm-hmm. but they're going to say whatever they want. Do you know their attorney for um, throwing the case? He actually put an email in the end when they're going for summary judgment. He had a courier banging on our door like 7 a.m. in the morning, banging on our door that worked for them, handing us a, a courier envelope. In it was this testimony in an email to his uh, the attorney's own head at the firm who shares an office with him. Why is he writing an email to the guy he shares an office with? In the email, it says, in a detailed storyline, it says that I came up to him and it threatened his life. So this whole thing was, and it's, even, it's quote was this, Tom Althaus came up to me 
and uh, he he whispered in my ear, "I'm going to kill you." Dot dot dot. Really bad. So the quote is, "I'm going to kill you." Dot dot dot. Really bad. Dot dot dot. What goes between "I'm going to kill you" really bad? You know, "I'm going to kill yeah. you" and shop for Christmas for my kids really bad. It doesn't. Nothing fits in there. Nothing <laughs> That's fits in. So weird. But he entered it as evidence because they didn't have evidence. Yeah. Right. Same thing with the Wachowskis. What did the Wachowskis enter for evidence? Well, the only thing they entered, they have no working drafts, right? Nothing at all. So the only thing the Wachowskis entered in the summary judgment, it says here for summary judgment, was a statement about those inserts in the first graphic. Remember the um, where it has my high school, my birthday, my fiance's birthday, and everything like that, right? So the only thing they're putting in there is... I understand that Mr. Allen has claims he's a co-author of the Matrix Trilogy. He has nothing to do with the writing, direction, and production of the Matrix Trilogy. Yeah, right. Um, he says that um, uh, that all the entries in there are by um, their, their production manager and their um, uh, art director, Michelle McGee. And what's interesting is they're on the entries with them. They're with my entries. So Michelle McGee, the art director, is listed as Neo's mom. And um, Patterson, the production manager, is listed as the other school. Patterson High. So they're blaming those guys. So again, they're making stuff up. When they said in their divorce case under testimony, they said that um, every cell that went into it was by them only. So what I'm saying is they create anything they want anytime they want. Yeah. You know, and throw people off. So. Okay, so let's let's head back to some of the early years, if we could. Um, so you talked about your childhood and your parents and all of that. Right. Um, was it the teenage years that uh, the Pat Robertson connection began? Like how how did that whole thing come about? My family was very religious, right? So. It was given that I'd be going to Pat Robertson's university. Basically, they didn't let me choose where I wanted to go. They told me where I'd be going. My brother you were told had to this in, in high school. My brother told my dad that I am not Ivy League material, even though I was, and that I'd be going to Millersville University, which I didn't want to go. Okay. So, and then I was going to go to Pat Robertson's organization. There wouldn't really be a choice about it. I didn't even have a choice on who I was going to marry. So, um, basically, it was um, a friend of my brother's. Uh, wife who I was set up to marry and it was just a hard person, absolute hard person who's part of the Robertson group. And this was so, Regent University? Regent University. They changed okay. it to Regent University during my situation. So originally it was CBN University. Oh, yes. And okay. then they changed it. Yeah. Changed and it in the Regent, 80s? Yeah, they were going to yeah. call it God University, but then they decided to call it Regent University to rule in place of God. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So maybe give us the background of how, yeah, how you got recruited there. And because I know you've talked about that at length yeah. on other shows. There and, was a Pat Robertson dinner that okay. we were told to attend. And, this is prior um, to you attending the yes, university? Okay. Prior, out of college. And um, I met Pat Robertson personally. And he said some kind of statement about these are the kind of youth that are going to make a difference in our world and will be coming to our school. I got a call from his president of the university, which has seemed very unusual to me, um, direct call, direct line to me. Uh, Bob Slosser was his name, crony of Robertson, saying, when will you come here? When will you come here? You're supposed to be here. 
so it was it I was used to this kind of thing where you're told where you're going and you don't question the cabal, basically. You know, you just you go where you're told. You don't have a choice. You're a slave. You're an inmate. And that's what my life was like. Who you marry, where you go. So I did. I went to CBN University. And um, right away at the start, one of the first talks they said was um, uh, Bob Slosser came out, the very man. And he said to the whole group of students, um, if you're not called to be here, leave now. You know, they want to make sure they have their guinea pigs that are going to be jumping off the cliff. You know, lemons. So um, we're all there. And it was very interesting because we started having indoctrination programs where we're told um, scriptures with a slant that Robertson wanted laws of reciprocity that we are knitted together in the womb, that God chose us to be there when we were knitted in the womb quote, and that we are set apart from all other humanity, even other Christians that only CBN will tell you the truth. No other denomination will no other religious body will that we're in competition with other religions. It's a cult. Wow. Armed security force that is not licensed to carry weapons. Just like my sister was unlicensed. Um, You've got a situation where women are considered less. They use a scripture where a woman is submissive to her husband. Um, They have a situation in the handbook where you're not allowed to call outside services, even ambulance or police. You only call security, CBN security. You don't call outside for any emergency, even a suicide. You call CBN security. It's in caps in the handbook. It's a call. So Arm essentially, I mean, so that reminds me of like, you know, the Roman Catholic Church, the Vatican, how all these scandals and abuse and things going on. Nope, we're handling this internally. Exactly. Exactly. And where do they go when they have somebody who gets caught? As in my situation, the sexual sex ring? Liberty University. Down they go to Liberty University. If you look at Liberty University, it's like a basket of catching all these sex predators. Look at the communication department of Liberty University. Look at their faces. Look at their bios. And you're going to see all the dregs have gone to Liberty University, the communication yeah. department as the professors. And they're part of the sex ring. If you want a who's who of who's gay, look at that. It is common knowledge that the sex ring is operating. And Robertson was part of it. We're so, so having this trip, this guy having a trip, he said it goes all the way to the top. Yeah. So we'll and we'll get there, but I, I just I don't want to skip over the right. chronology. And Luke, were you going to ask something or no? Okay. All right. So yeah. So these are the kinds of things you're being told as you're what like um, what do they call that? Not an Grad initiation. Student. Right. Well, you, yeah. You're um, you can call it that initiation um, orientation or orientation. whatever right yeah this kind of stuff you're being told but one professor told us too he said what um Roberts's organization actually does the greatest thing it does get this he said the greatest thing that Roberts's organization does is it brings christian young men together with models because there's model agencies all through virginia beach okay so it allows christians to have beautiful wives as their helpmates. This is in literature of theirs? This, this is what they say. They told us. Oh, let's say. Okay. Keep in mind Robertson's comment about Trump's wife. What did he say? It's on, it's, you can see it. You just Google it. You'll find it probably. But because he made an announcement, it's on, it's on video. 
But what, what Robertson said was, you can tell Trump's successful, just look at his wife. So a beautiful wife means you're successful. So that's why a woman was being provided to me named Christine, who came to me and said, I'm to be with you. When I was being groomed to be the face of the Christian coalition, they're not going to trust Tom Aldhouse picking a wife. They're going to provide a stunning model wife. You were in your 20s at this time? I was actually 30s. 30s? Mm-hmm. Like okay. I was 29 going on 30. So hitting thirty, and you had already been through college, or you were just—I graduated from college. I was going to grad school. Okay, yeah. So, what position were they? Because you say Christian correlation coalition was 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 what the Seven Hundred Club, Pat Pat Robinson, their organization was known for that, right? The network. So, yes. what position were they promising you or grooming me for? Yeah. Grooming you for, I was to appear on the 700 club as Robertson's right hand man. What I was supposed to be really was his sex boy, just like Jerry Falwell's pool boy. So that's what I was being groomed for. They used to give you positions. So you were then legitimately usable. You'd be used. And what year, and what year about was this again? This is 1988. Okay. And so what happens is I am to appear on the 700 Club, they told me, but I'm to be the head of the Christian coalition, the face of it, which means I'd be running for political office. Keep in mind that the guy who replaced me, Ralph Reed, took my place, was listed in Newsweek as the hand of God. So basically, I would be misleading people with my face, my eyes, my dimples to follow an antichrist agenda. Because Lions Paul, Pat Robertson, was very much a believer in Satan. And the sex ring seemed to work for that. He said he used the evangelical demographic for his base because in his own newsletter, Pat Robertson's perspective, he said that it is one of the dumbest demographics. He actually put it in his newsletter. That it's one of the dumbest or ignorant, most ignorant demographics. So he used that for his foundation. He didn't care about being a pastor. He dropped it like wet wool when um, he was running for president. He shed it, gladly he shed it, because the whole idea was he was only doing that to make money. He learned from another televangelist that you make a fortune the televangelist way. He failed trying to be a jet setter in Manhattan, him and Didi. So he, this pastor shows up with a nice car, takes him to a nice dinner. It's in the Toronto Star, they did a cover article on this now, where He's taken to dinner by this pastor with wealth and given a really fine meal at the finest place in Manhattan, the nice car, the nice clothes. He says, and Robertson's quoted as saying, you mean you can have all this by doing that? That's when he suddenly got the calling to be a televangelist because he can get all that. Hmm. That's what it was about. Nothing about God. So what was the, yeah. So what was the grooming that took place or what was the, um, yeah, the things promised to you or all that? Part of the grooming is you're provided your future wife. You're told you'll be given a home. You're asked a series of questions to make sure you're going to toe the line properly. One of the questions I was asked by the network people, I was also given um, use of a motorhome. I was given um, network positions um, and told that I'd be used heavily on films and things. Um, one of the questions they asked me was, the, they said, the Better Business Bureau has been seeking our financial records. What do you think we should tell them? And I answered, if we've got nothing to hide, just give them. Yeah. That was the wrong answer. The proper answer would have been, we don't answer them, any worldly body. We only answer to God. 
so they don't get anything from us. See, that's the same with the Vatican, right? They're exactly. their own institution, their exactly. own their own, their own intelligence agency. I've I heard it somewhere years ago that like, yeah, you think the FBI or CIA are intelligence? No, the the Vatican has has them beat by a mile. But in hunting Hitler, the CIA operatives actually say that um, the Vatican was the only surviving unscathed state following World War II. That it was mm-hmm. the one sovereign state still existing. So they refer to it that way. Yeah, it seems like the same playbook here. But go ahead and continue. Well, that's what was going on was then we learned that Disney was deeply connected. And I started hearing the stories about Disney. That these sex offenses with a sex ring were going on with Michael Eisner's blessing on the grounds of Disney. The safest place for pedophiles and sexual deviants was Disney World. That's what's so amazing. That's why they had the sting on the lower echelon, like 100 of the lower echelon, when Bob Iger, was, Bob Iger resigned after I said that he was going to meet with me and I had it on tape, that he, his top guy said, Bob Iger's going to give you a call tomorrow. So I went on the air that night, when I was still in Pennsylvania, saying that Bob Iger was going to talk. He was fired the next day, and they did also simultaneously a sting on the lower echelon pedophiles of Disney World. The reason they did that sting, I now understand, is because I was talking about the sexual ring going on between Disney and Pat Robertson. Okay, so they again, decided the to time frame. That. The time frame that's, for these that's things? That's in 2020, or 2019 to 2020. Oh, interesting. Okay. So what? you observe this? Someone told you it? How, how did you I was I was part of this? it, part of the sex ring. So okay. I was taken on a motorhome trip by Harry Sova. Dr. Harry Sova is now at Falwell University, Liberty University, Falwell. And you can find him there. Now, they try to cover the tracks, so if you look him up, Harry Sova, look up Harry Sova, Liberty University Communication Department. You won't find him at first with a general listing of all the faces that are gay, but you will find him if you privately look him up. So they have him set aside, hard to find, hard to search to find, just like they do the entries for the immortals. But what's interesting is, on the trip, Sova explained to me exactly what was going on with the sex ring, that it went to the highest level, that I was being slated to be picked to be part of that sex ring by Pat Robertson himself, and then told me that at Kempsville Presbyterian Church, and this is where it gets very interesting. At Kempsville and the, and Presbyterian again the ti- Church. And again, is, the timeline, this, this is, is 1988. 88, 1988. Okay. All right. So in 1988, he tells me this. And he said that the pastor, David Anderson, that's why Thomas Anderson, it's a mockery of me, the name, a double name for Neo is Thomas Anderson. My name, Thomas A. Anderson. Your Scottish clan name is Is Anderson, Anderson from the McAllister clan. Anderson, okay. the cover, yeah. the overall. But Anderson was also the pastor that stepped forward. They like this. Okay. So Anderson steps forward and confesses to the congregation that he had sexual relations with the head of the uh, graduate school at the time under Pat Robertson and Pat Robertson himself. That's what Sova told me on the trip. So what happens? We find out right here, and you can see it online right now, that this is exactly what happened. This is David Geyertson, the PR person for Pat Robertson, top PR person, brings millions in for him at the time, who stepped in when the pastor did the confession, right? The pastor confessed to the congregation. So what happens is David Geyertson takes his place. He's not divinity. He's a PR person. 
They're going to keep everything under wraps that the congregation was told. Man, woman, and child. Any age. So all these sessions are being held to tell the congregation never to leak it out what they were told by David Anderson, as if David Anderson was a deviant for bringing it forward and telling his congregation. David Anderson wanted to confess to his congregation. Now listen to the language here, and let me make sure you see this. On the bottom it says right here, um, David Geyertson. See David Geyertson? Uh, David, yes, okay. And it says confidential in the center? Yep. It's posted online. It's all you can look it up right now. David Geyertson, um resume. You'll find this still. So let's read the entry for Kempsville Presbyterian Church. A, Robertson's top public relations officer is going to act as the pastor to cover up what was leaked and told to his congregation. It says this. From June 1985 to May 1986. That's basically a whole year. All right. Cancel Presbyterian Church, Virginia Beach, Virginia. No one's supposed to know this. Interim Senior Minister served as the Interim Senior Minister for a 2,000-member PCUSA congregation while they searched for a new pastor. Supervised a staff of about 20 full-time employees and ministers, managed a budget of about $1.5 million. Do you think it'd be hard to get a replacement for that church with that size of a budget and that many members? Don't you think people would be jumping for that position? Mm. Okay. Stabilized the congregation. This is Geyerson's own words. Stabilized the congregation after the loss of the previous pastor due to a moral failure. What a pretty way to say the man confessed to being part of a sex ring with my boss. Yeah. Right? So, sounds nice, doesn't it? Provided direction for the development of a new strategic plan. Just what the agencies do, too, to cover it up. And assisted with the transition to a new senior minister. That new minister better be on board to cover it up and keep it covered up. And who did they get? Some dude. Yeah, who knows? Left when, in italics on the bottom, left when new senior minister was identified and installed. That's not the usual language. Identified and installed. It's like the agencies wrote this. Well, it, so, it sounds very Catholic, if I can say, you know. Very in, much so. Installed a new cardinal at this region, you know. But whatever. as far as charismatic churches, that's not how they operate. Yeah. They'd say it's the Lord led. But here it is right there. His own public relations officer heading that church. I was privy to one of those meetings being set up. We were at a camp as part of the drama tour. Get the visual. On the drama tour, we're working with the kids. We're supposed to sit down with them in groups, helping them up with a mini play. Well, that's basically logistically impossible. But I was trying to actually do it, as I was asked to, by the drama leader, Darlene Graves, who's actually a friend of Dr. Sova. So in come these guys in suits. They bust in the doors, booming in. They go, everybody out now. Everybody out. They're yelling at us. Get out now. I was like, what's going on? They said, it's time for their session. Kids, adults, everybody. It was time for their indoctrination programming time. So we're all ordered out in the middle of the pro- program we're doing with them and had to leave. On the bus, on the way back to CBN University after this camp thing, a 12-year-old girl sat next to me and said, told me what was going on. She had been in my group to do the play with. And when she had said, when the suits came in, she says, please don't leave us. Don't go. Please stay with us. 
I asked if I could, wasn't allowed, wasn't allowed. On the bus, she told me what was going on, that they have to have these sessions like almost daily or bi-daily. So it's like they have to have these all the time to make sure no one talks about it. It would be a sin. It would be evil if the world, the evil world knew that Pat Robertson was named by this pastor. The sessions is, this is at the church or this, this is was the at the university? Camp. This is at the camp. We were at a camp. We were doing our drama team um, working with the kids at this camp, like summer camp. But who's running these meetings and who are they talking to? These are students David at the University? David Geyerson and his thugs. No, Dave, David Geyerson and his thugs were holding the meetings. And, we, and talking to whom? The congregation that was present. The congregation the of the whole church. congregation. Okay. They, so they this actually, is continued yeah. damage control. Yeah, it looked like a scene from Nazi Germany. They bust in in the suits. Okay. They tell okay. everybody to leave right away, like swing kids. You know, get out now. Achtung, achtung, you know, schnell. Mm-hmm. Then what they do is they slam the door shut and they have their meeting. Okay. And is the suits people from like almost they're like Robertson Robertson Geyerson's team? What it says okay, it's right like here. You were, it's like you were saying earlier. No outside agencies. Everything's handled in internally. Everything. Listen to what it says here because it's a good question. What you had there was about twenty people. Listen to what it says. Supervise a staff of about twenty full time employees and ministers. Provided direction for the development of a new strategic plan. Assisted with. That's who's doing it. That's who the suits are. He had a team of 20 people to help those people stay in line, including kids. And this was, again, 88? 1988. 88. When, okay. when I'm told about it and going on. When, when the pastor stepped forward was 1985. David Anderson, he went to North Carolina. So this, this trip, is, this trip that you were brought on and told these, yeah, why don't you get into the trip? That's 1988. And- yeah, I was told by Dr. Sova, Dr. Harry Sova, that we'd be taking a trip and it would benefit me. He's after he gave me the keys, copies of his keys to the um, RV. He said I'd be his grad assistant. I was called in and out of the blue to have this meeting. He said that um, how would I feel taking a position with under him and um, had his former grad assistant, Stephen, who was gay, getting the stuff. He Remember on the trip, here I'll clarify, Silva thought I was gay at this point. He thought I was. He said that you were in drama. You had the beard. I thought you were gay. So when he's recruiting me, he thinks I'm gay, like right. Stephen, right? The one that's leaving. So he's going to give me the keys to his motorhome, which I now understand was he thought I was gay. Therefore, we could have that time anytime together. Right. In the motorhome. That's his. That's his go-to place, just like the honeypot white at the office. So what you have is he's telling me you're going to have duties with me where. Um, you're working closely with me. You will help me work on my manuscript, my magnus opus which is being done to the Library of Congress. So he has this predatory area he's going to go to. He said, we're going to take this trip with a number of professors, so you'll get to mix with them. Don't bring any money or anything. I'll take care of everything for a week-long trip. When the time for the trip comes, he shows up. Sans any professors, just him. He says they can't make it, right? Think how predatory mind works. Then he's saying, um, he says for some reason to my wife and I, he goes, I was just at Silver Beach the other day. Silver Beach is the only beach in Maryland that allows nudity. So he's giving signs and signals, right? What a predator does is he tests to see if you're on board, if you're going to be compliant with uh, items that seem like they just are just conversation. He's actually testing you, right? I understand that now. So apparently I checked out on the test. So off we go in the motorhome. Let's me drive. We go up, big motorhome, go to Cherry Hill campsite in Washington, D.C., we get there and he says he just wants to play 
that he doesn't want to do any work. So what about your manuscript that's supposed to be done at the Library of Congress, where he's doing shorts, little briefs on every communication journal that exists? Good luck with that. He finds out a little bit later that it's already done electronically. It's already been done by the Library of Congress. He throws a fit. He says that we're just going to play. First activity he does is he says, let's hook up the outtake on the RVs. Apparently they have like a waste hose that goes in the ground. I didn't know. And what happened was he had me um, hook it up. What he did tell me was he had released the valve. Oh, He has me go to hook that up. And waste his waste, his excrement pours all over my hands. Unreal. I look up. I said, I got to I gotta go wash my hands. He says, no, finish the job. I look up at him and he's all red and glassy-eyed looking at me with his excrement on my hands. Apparently, there's something with the homosexual community. There's a certain person type that likes to see you dirtied with their own excrement. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't wish I didn't have to know that. So yeah. I have to finish hooking the pipe with his whatever you call it, yep. with my hands. We go inside. I wash my hands. He makes a communal bowl of popcorn. So we'll have tactile. Eating the popcorn, he launches in right away. He doesn't miss a beat. He starts going on about um, his life on Wisconsin, a Wisconsin farm. I'll try to brief this a little, make a little more brief. Mm-hmm. He talks about how he was lonely as a child. He had no one to play with but the animals, is a quote. And that when he was in Boy Scouts, he was in a situation in Boy Scouts where the most popular kids at school were in a tent with him and that he was molested by them. I remember saying clearly, I said, that must have been horrible. And his response was this. No, it wasn't that bad. Oh, I understand boy. I was very lonely. And these were the popular kids. It's like, I'm just, at that point, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, mm-hmm. something's really wrong. And then he goes, and this is what happens to a person that goes through this kind of thing. You never forget it. You remember the details to the T. I remember what he looks like. I can see him right now. And he's going on about how anybody who's connected to a professor as I am with him is going to make it that Robertson's organization is going to fall due to a certain activity going on. Didn't say sex ring at that first point. And that it's going to come down. Only those attached professors would make it in their families. He started talking about his wife and him being part of a commune and that the professors at CBN get in the hot tub naked together, things like this. He told me that the Catholic priest, former Catholic priest, Bob Scheel, who did news site and had taken me under his wing, was actually interested in me. That Bob Scheel was going to be very angry with me because I was now Sova's boy. So that the parties and the pool parties were not what they seemed to be. They were actually a way to get men to bed. At this point, I'm like, what the hell is going on? So so he just announced that the ship is going down, Robertson's ship. And, he said it was and, going down. And here's, and here's this lifeboat? This is the life raft. Okay. Exactly the tactic. So we're eating the popcorn. I stopped eating at that point. He started to say about Kempsville Presbyterian Church. So I guess I was giving the response he wanted. So he's trying to hammer it home. He said how the pastor, David Anderson, like we said, came forward and confessed to the entire congregation that he had been having sex with um, Pat Robertson. And I'm like, at that point, I'm like, what the hell? Right. Then he started this. He goes, I'm so lonely. I am so lonely. 
I'm so, I remember saying this. I actually said this, and this is not my way, but it hits me right now. You'll say anything to get away from a predator in this situation. Yeah. I had no money. I was in his motorhome. I was trapped. And that's why I have PTSD. Yeah. That's why he gave the present. So he said, I said, I'll buy you a Playboy or something. I'll go out and, you know, that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. He said, no, we're going to get some beers. I just want to play. I'm so lonely. Then he starts to threaten that I may not have the job. I not, may not be qualified. He said that he thought I was gay because of the beard and being in drama. He said one out of every four men is, are. <laughs> he said, how do I know I'm not? Yeah, that stat's not even close either. I'm so pissed. Still, I'm pissed. Oh, my gosh. So pissed. I so feel so if you had gone along, yeah, um, if you had gone along, then you would have been the face of the coalition. And you I would have been, been given all this set. stuff. Right. Okay. This thing that Sova does short circuits that because now I'm not an attractive candidate anymore. And he had the audacity to tell me that Robertson wanted me to be his. Hmm. So what he said too was I said this, like you say, anything you can. Clears the bell, I said, um, because he got up. He was angry. He got up. He goes to the, I can see, like you think it visually, you see it visually. He goes to the front of the camper door off to the right from my perspective at the table. And he stands there with his back to me, right? With his arms folded. And I said, if there's any problem I have, my problem's women. It's not a problem. You're saying anything you can. And he goes like this. He turns around and looks at me like, I remember it so clear. He goes, aren't you macho? The organization is sick. They're monsters. They're bastards. They are preying on young. And anybody at CBN, they know what's going on. Hmm. But they don't do anything because they want the success. It's not about Christ at all. It's an organization that's just sick. Who is this connected to uh, politically, governments? Disney. You know what I mean? Agencies. FBI gave me the card when I was being groomed by Robertson to be the face Chris coalition. That's when they gave me the job with the FBI and the card. It says, please extend every courtesy. Disney, where did Sova go after this happened? And where was this predatory thing that was a pre-defender? Was it Disney World on a D.D. Henderson at Disney World? So what happened was after I was outed and everything taken away from me at the president's meeting, they called it, the Sova and his friends, including the head of the drama group, we're given a free trip to Disney World in Sova's motorhome, courtesy of Michael Eisner. They went down there to celebrate. ABC, as you saw in the stuff you wrote me, ABC is owned by Disney. ABC is what the family channeled work with at Roberts' organization. They are one together. ABC, Disney is where Ned and Judy Nankovich, the two professors that called me and said, Tom, listen, give us your work. Give us your screenplay. Oh, we, we just got top positions at Disney and Universal's story departments. That's Ned and Judy Nankovich that works for Pat Robertson. How did they get positions at Disney World? Right? Because Pat Robertson made the deal with Eisner to do that because they got to keep their sex rings functioning and not disclosed. And I've heard a lot of things about Disney and ch- children getting taken into dark places in the parks and abuse happening there, trafficking happening there, connected to... Yeah, and connected to our Congress, Mansions. the U.S. Congress. The U.S. Yeah. Congress. 
So the pedophiles are trying to get world domination. Using do you Hitler. think? Do you think Disney is part of? So I've heard that you know they control politicians by capturing in video and photography compromising situations that would ruin someone's life. And now they've got them bought so they can have them vote how they want and, and go along to get along. Is, is Disney part of that? Do these things? Absolutely. What you have is you have Brian Fitzpatrick, the one that gives my sister all the rewards, right? Doing that Florida Congress or their picture up after the 302 last one of them failed. Brian Fitzpatrick's gay. You can see it. He's not married, and he, he he gets angry if anybody asks him about when you're going to get married. The women will ask him at the garden club. He's gay. My sister brags about him being gay. So he's yeah. part of the Robertson sex ring with Disney. So our U.S. Congress is involved. He was the man sent to destabilize Ukraine and get rid of Viktor Shokin, which Biden's blamed with. But it was the FBI that sent um, Fitzpatrick over there in 2014 to destroy his reputation, get rid of Victor Shokum so the Pentagon can make it a puppet state. So what you have in Ukraine is not only biological experiments going on, but also a sex traffic ring and child trafficking and prostitution. You've got a sex ring brought in courtesy of the FBI and Congress and the Pentagon. That's how bad this is. And so what's going on is this all whispers it through art. Who's the main character in here? We need to take a whole episode and unpack that, what you're, what you're talking about sometime with Ukraine and Biden. Let's and, do it. Let's show the, I'll show you the evidence. I've, Reese, yeah, I've heard some awful things about those connections. Yeah. Jim Reese, right? The main character's name, Jim Reese, right in here. Okay. He works in this original screenplay, Neo, if you will, works for the low, uh, head of a lower echelon department of the CIA. Because the CIA is bad. The Smith character is an upper one, upper department head of the CIA. The CIA becomes central. So the Agent Smith in original work is part of the evil CIA that becomes the governing one world governing policing force. Get it? So that's why they wanted to launder that out too. How dare someone, when when the agencies monitor and control content for national security, they say, put in that Smith is the evil agent for the CIA. Well, I heard I heard an excellent quote on the CIA and the FBI from um, this. This was retired military Major Jeffrey Prather, and he was on uh, Sean's program, the SGT Report, which I highly recommend if anybody listening has not checked out Sean. He's not on YouTube anymore because YouTube being what it is, but check out the SGT Report. But um, Jeffrey Prather. Prather, the military guy, said uh, the CIA doesn't collect intelligence. They collect people. Yes. And and the FBI doesn't solve crime. They manage crime. That's exactly right. That is 100% correct. It was the FBI that went down to the Cuban embassies, the American and Canadian embassies, and did the investigation, they claim. They said that uh, the Indian cricket, the sound where the people have to go to the hospital, where they're hearing that noise in their head that I hear. What happens is... Um, they claimed that there could be a sonic attack, but was blaming Cuba, leaving it open that it was Cuba's fault. It was the FBI that did this to the U.S. Embassy and the Canadian Embassy for plausible deniability. They're the ones that tested their weapon on those people, the sonic sounds. And I know that. I've been told that. So that's what's going on is whenever the FBI does an investigation, it's a cover-up of their involvement. 
including the Twin Towers. What did Lauren Holmberg, the CIA operative, one of the ones that recruited me for the Masons on Maui, what did he tell me when he sat me down and said, we're fans of your work, we're fascinated by your story, and uh, just don't try to make a difference. You're one of the elite now. <clears throat> he told me that the Twin Towers were brought down by the CIA and that um, he couldn't believe the public believed it was the pancake theory. They couldn't believe yeah. that they believed that, fell for that. Yeah. The CIA is telling me that while they're recruiting me. So I'm a harbor of all kinds of information. As they groom you, they share information with you to try to win your trust. So you'll say yes to the offer of the chair. That's what goes on. So now I have all this information and they're trying to tell me that the public is so dumb, they're not going to catch on. So they say, come home. We let your last son live, come home and do writing for us and be a script doctor ripping off other people's work. Because the public's never going to get it, and they're going to be eliminated anyway with the X, the final solution. Yeah. I, th- I think we should um, make a note here, mentally or, or otherwise, to pick up with uh, your the CIA, CIA recruitment that you went through. You said that they um, were trying to – what did you say? Getting into uh, free- Freemasonry? Yes, they recruited me for that first, and then Lauren Holmberg and Paul, these other uh, – there's 12 families that are CIA families. Let's operatives. save that for – yeah, for maybe next time. I would love to hear more about that. But if we can kind of wrap up in the last few sure. minutes here, uh, just further fleshing out my question of how the the CBN, Robertson, all that connectedness. So you mentioned Disney quite a bit and these you know alphabet organizations – but you also mentioned Liberty, which um, I actually went to school there online, distance wow. learning many wow. years ago. I didn't complete it, but I was there, right. you know, and and uh, for a while. But, yeah, why don't you maybe just wrap up with a bit about that connection? What's too. interesting is Pat Robertson is one of the elite and one of the top players or was one of the top players because his dad was a senator. So his dad was U.S. senator. So what you have is this evil circle where it's basically they're all interconnected. There's an understanding, and whenever you're groomed, you're made privy to the inside information, as I was, and you're told, the quote, you're one of the elite now. So you have a cabal that's an interconnected of religious right, Italian mafia, Jewish mafia, Hollywood, Vatican, Red Cross, um, uh, the agencies, the Pentagon, the Bank of England. This was explained to me by the caller who's the one that says I'm to refer to him in Latin as friend. That's going to be his name, the Latin word for friend. That's and you said. just defined the cabal right there, all of that interconnectedness. It's the same reasons, Luke, when we were talking about Fiona Barnett's story. Remember that, Luke? Um, her Candy Girl documentary. She was trafficked and satanic ritual abused in um, Australia. And right there, observing the atrocities is Nicole Kidman, Anthony Kidman, all this stuff. But it was the politicians, the police, the clergy, right there along part yeah. of it. Yes, absolutely. Right. Uh, even even the doc- remember um, the doctor Luke uh, covering up for the deaths of these children, like on the beach, writing false reports. Right, right. 
The hospitals are employed. The hospitals are employed. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same playbook that was thrown against you to throw your case and everything. But yeah, why don't you wrap up a bit on on liberty and any other interconnectedness in the last few minutes here? Well, the sexual ring, the homosexual ring is alive and well at Liberty University. What's interesting is look at the cover story that Jerry Falwell said. First of all, two points. When he was revealed and caught, one of the things he said was, I'm one of the good ones because you caught me. It's these other guys that aren't caught that are worse. The ones that aren't caught pretending to be good. Warner Brothers' agenda, along with Jerry Falwell and all the cabal, is that all of us are evil, they say. Everyone's dark. Everyone's evil. And if you're caught in the evil and doing wrong, it's just because you're one of the nicer ones. So Jerry Falwell getting caught in evil, he claims that makes him one of the good guys, actually, of the world. It's a Hmm. twisted way of thinking. Also, he said that the pool boy guy who was well-reported, as I was being offered, was um, only having sex with his wife, and he would watch. No, that is not the way the mentality works. There's no man in the religious right that's going to sit back and watch his wife have sex with another man. Remember that orientation I was telling you about, where the men are the head and the women are subservient? Okay. There's no way that they're going to let their toys or their trophies be played with by another man. What they're going to do is they're going to engage in sex with another man and have their wife involved because that gives them a real feeling of power. So Jerry Falwell, when he covers, he's going to say, I only was creeping. I was only watching. I was not. No, he's not. No, 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 no. Jerry Falwell having sex with a pool boy, just like Robertson was selecting me to have sex, just like Rob Shield, Bob Shield, former Catholic priest, how cliche can you get, was going to have me sex with me and Sova telling me that, that he was going to be very angry because now it's Sova's boy going to be taken by Robertson. Who can, you know. So what you have is Jerry Falwell had sex with a pool boy, and now he's trying to cover it up and has his wife being submissive, trying to play along with that dialogue, cover for his him. And this is Jerry Jerry Senior, Jerry Junior. Oh, Jerry. So Jr. what you have, okay. yeah, but it, it's rampant among all of them because what it is is this: what's the next thrill? What's the next stimulation? This is how their mind works. We can get away with anything. We're set aside, like I said, knitted in the womb, they claim, set aside by God. And they actually say that Christ's grace is increased by them sinning, that Christ weeps for them every time they sin because they're the elect. Which Paul the Apostle directly addresses in one of his letters. Luke, I'm sure you're familiar with that, where should we sin all the more? You know, God forbid. That's exactly what they take and that's exactly what they do and that's what they claim they actually have the audacity, yeah. And if I could make this point too, you know, everyone's heard the, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely statement. But when you look at power structures and even uh, authority, um, and I'm speaking especially of, you know, church, of church leadership, there's a lot of trust involved there. And then there's a lot of, Things that puff up and make one prideful and yes. I'm running the show and, you know, the, f- the flock follows me. And, you know, if, if for our listeners who have kind of stuck with us from the beginning, you've heard a little bits and pieces of how I've ex- I'm exploring and we have been meeting as a family with a few others doing church. Hopefully, we're trying to closer to what the early church did. You didn't have a human hierarchy. It was Christ right. at the head. Right. 
And I see this, Tom, when I, when I see stories like this, I put those pieces together now in a new way because I go, these things would not happen if we continued to meet in a decentralized way. Right, right. There is not a human leader who has this influence, who has this authority, who can get away with this kind of stuff. It just wouldn't yeah. happen. That's exactly what I'm asking people to do is when it comes to your churches locally, to lay the line down where you will not attend where there's an arrogant minister. His yeah. job is to minister, not to be a personality cult, not to be put on a pedestal. I said, I will not attend a church where there's arrogance. I will not attend. It has to be a humble person. I'll go to a church where there's a humble pastor. I'll and it go there. It kills the pastor too because, you know, they burn out. I mean, you look at the stats of like the, the psychological damage of trying to carry that load. One man trying to do that. It is so hard on a person that, I mean, it's great if you've got training, you've got biblical knowledge and you're, you're helping people, you're teaching right. people. That's great. Do that. But the role that a pastor has these days with that much responsibility is just, I mean, they're told a lot of times, don't, you know, don't, don't be open and honest to your congregation. If you've got problems, you know, <laughs> keep it to yourself. It's, it's, it's an awful, God never intended that position the way it is today. Another rule I think too, also is you've got this uh, stereotype of youth leaders. Often a lot of the people like my brother, Jack, who works with Disney, as we yeah. said, is a youth leader. How stereotypical and is a pedophile. And has pictures of the youth going to Costa Rica with the preteens underwater in their bikinis. I remember you saying that. Yes. yes. He put it on his – he posted it. They let him get away with this kind of stuff. Yes. And so what we need too is no pastor should ever meet with a woman in his private chambers without exactly. someone present. You don't do it. And all these pastors have these – I'm sorry about being passionate, but these pastors always get together with these stories about how they got hit on by a female parishioner. There's this one guy that I knew in Altoona, Pennsylvania, named Bob, and he claimed to be so pious. In fact, he said that someday God's going to bring me down and humble me. He was, he was jealous that I was drawing attention or something. He said that if rape was legal, he'd rape every woman he could find. And that's what he was saying to me. And what did, what did Brad Carr say, the guy who was part of um, um, Robertson's group? He, the guy that um, was actually approached uh, by Sova on his comms communications test for his um, graduate master's, he was asked this question, how would you treat a homosexual in your company? Because Sova wouldn't work with him. He pointed out later that after the trip, Brad Carr came to me and said, everything that a man does is for sex only, is for sex. I looked at him and I'm thinking, what about your daughter? What about the church? So you're saying that everything isn't for Christ or for the church at all. It's to have sex. That's Pat Robertson's organization. That's Jerry Falwell's organization. I'm sorry yeah. to break it to you all. No, That's how they operate. We, we, we need to start demolishing some of these human institutions that we lift up and we put so much trust in them. I, I've said this often, the, the late great uh, business philosopher Jim Rohn said, be a disciple of no one except the Lord's. Yes, yes, And yes. even your favorite preacher, pastor, author, whatever, they might be great people. 
and that we're not trying to paint the picture here. Let me be clear that every church and every organization is full of the things you're talking about. We're not saying that. Um, but we need to not hold everyone up in such high esteem that we feel like they can do no wrong and swallow everything. Every word that they write is, you know, on par with scripture, like it's papal authority, Catholic church. Right. And so if I could just make this point too, to hopefully sum up a little bit, um, I think it's important to recognize that a lot of people will make this claim that when you have a denomination you have a hierarchy of leadership in your church or or their denomination and their head and their head that this protects the flock and it it's yes. a it's an oversight and it's protection and what ends up happening is in quite the opposite it entrenches bad doctrine and it allows for the type of like you said Tom the insulation of damage control yes for things to not see the light of day. That's right. You know, I've, I had this conversation with someone recently and I was describing this because, you know, a lot of these ideas that I've learned from come from Frank Viola's book, Pagan Christianity and uh, Neil Cole on organic church. And one of the questions I got was, well, how do you, how do you keep people from going astray and, and going off the deep end and, and, I said, well, if I'm sitting in my living room with a half dozen or a dozen other people and we are the body of Christ meeting together like the early church, you know, and and no no leadership, we're all equal, okay? And one of us says, hey, I was reading this verse the other day and I think it says I'm God. <laughs> and the rest of us go, I don't, I didn't get that from that mm-hmm. verse. Mm-hmm. You've stopped a cult right there. I'm right. paraphrasing Frank Viola. Right. The only way that these abuses and cults and things happen is when you entrench them in a centralized power. You cannot have these things propagate when it's decentralized and Christ is the functional head. Well, I'll have to say, you know, that obviously the enemy, he counterfeits, right? Right. right. We know that. Right. And the Bible talks about an apostle a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher. So yes. those are positions. They're, they're equals because they're p- part of the body of Christ, you know, not above, right. you know, shoulders side by side. Right. But yet they have given been given a position of authority, an anointing, a gifting that is a benefit to the body. Right. And the what the enemy has done is he's taken those positions and corrupted it and yeah. turned it into cult leaders. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Think wow. of the letter that I got, the letter I got from Robertson's group with the president's meeting where they were, they had me come in and they wanted me to share everything that happened on the trip. Right. But the pencil didn't move when I talked about the sexual approachments. <laughs> it only moved when I talked about what Sova said about Robertson himself and his organization. That's the only time they took the notes. They said I could keep my jaws, education, everything, and thanked me. People were waiting in the next room to sign that letter and write carefully crafted, said the one guy, carefully crafted, Eugene Elster says, to have me expelled immediately and force it. And in that, they said that you have to understand, Tom, that we are God's authority for you on earth. No, they're not. If they cover things up 
and try to act like, you know, they're going to like, it's almost like this symbol that kids yeah. are learning in the church. Shh, shh, don't yep. say, don't talk, don't say it. Don't say what we're doing wrong. It's like the Victorian period extended itself where it was assumed that young men could have affairs if you're a part of the hierarchy of society, as long as you didn't disclose it. So we'd be a model for the lower classes in Victorian period, but they weren't to know our ongoings, what we did. It's false. It's false. Go to Roberts's doctrine again about, you know, we're, we're from knitted from the womb. We're set apart. We're different. Different rules apply to us because we're chosen by God and that it's no other denomination is chosen only Robertson's group. It's a, it's the same know. as King James, uh, the divine right of Kings that he believed in. All right. Yeah. Any, any other final, final thoughts, Luke? Um, yeah, I, I, I just had one quick thing. So Tom, you, ex- in the last time we met, unpacked a lot dealing with, um, your manuscript and that time period. So the, these episodes here, this conversation, you're tying in some of the earlier periods, right? From college, your youth and things. So I'm assuming that that relationship with CBN, their ties to Disney was all right before the theft of your manuscript. Right before, right before. Because it's born out of it. That's the impetus to write it. Is oh, my right, because you wrote it in the early 90s, right? That's right. The agents, okay. yeah, like 89 point, to 93. Luke. Yes. So where so the they agents- learned they learned that you had this yeah, they, they during were- those relationships, during college, during the CBN years, the Disney connection and all that. That's yeah. when the theft took place. Well, they or knew, maybe, they, or knew, maybe they, they, they were planning the theft. They knew I had a creative body of work from a young age because that's what Elon Musk is claiming now, who's supposed to replace me, is claiming by put in position by Warner Brothers and Disney. He's claiming that at five years old, he couldn't stop the flow of thoughts. They just wouldn't stop. But he's got no body of work. He has no body of work. I have shelves full of all kinds of ideas, creative things, thoughts, music, you name it. That's when it you can't turn it off. You have to put it down. He hasn't have it. He's just claiming it. But this work actually comes out of it's like Shakespeare with love. You will see that the agents, Agent Smith comes from Pat Roberts' security force. And then I tag it to the FBI and the CIA. But the original images of the, the glasses and the guy with the earpiece and everything else is from Robertson's security force doing that whole thing, looking like that, standing there staring at me and things. So I'm drawing from what I know. Interrogation scene is the first scene I wrote because it has those guys involved so heavily in my situation. So it's the first scene they shot. So yeah. it's a great question. That's then, excellent, yeah. Luke. Yeah, just just to tie – because that's what I'm trying to get, um, Tom, hopefully tease out of you in these interviews is under, unpacking your story for the audience to understand the chronology of all this. Cause that's I, great. Again, when, like I'm listening to some of your other interviews, sometimes it's hard for me – to follow, the, yeah. So yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. You. So the excellent question, Luke. Just to, well, that just to makes tie that so together. much sense. And I'm going to say to Luke too, both of you, yeah. is that it makes sense because remember, as a child, as I was saying, um, I had to offload creativity. I had to offload thoughts. And so when I went through what Robertson went gave put me through in his group and his cronies, I had to offload that. So I had to put it into art and whisper through art. So you're exactly yeah. right. I'm offloading it 
at that time because it's being pressed on me at that time. So I turn it into art and whisper through art. And that's why I thought I'd be only seeing that in the future. It'd be done for future generations, not NARS. But it was Robertson's group that made sure, covertly, that I would pitch it to Bonaventura directly. And so it became in our time. So okay. in original intention, Matrix would never have happened during our time. Right. It would have been whispered yeah. through art for a future time. Well, th- thanks so much, Tom, for sure. for your time. And um, um glad that we could uh, put this next chapter, I guess, of unpacking your story into the airwaves soon uh, when this episode does post. So um, when we come back together and we'll get something on the calendar for that, um, yeah, let's pick up with, I think we mentioned about, um, yeah, the CIA recruitment and Freemasonry. Right. Um, that I have a suggestion excellent. for you too. There are some other things that you were talking about, you well, know, with Ukraine, right. Maui, yes. Yes. Um, too. Yes. some of yes. the other recruitment. Yes. Um, with those, the funds actually Warner brothers. That's more current yeah. events type stuff. Let's do that. Let's sure. do that. At some point too, I want to show you, like we just hit upon it, touched upon it is where these iconic scenes come from from real life right. which Oscars can't tell you that I can and so we can look at where these things evolved from a mind downloading it absolutely it. so we can okay see so in, but yeah, so ahead. let's let's throw a few teasers out to uh, the listeners so we're gonna unpack the free Freemasonry and CIA connections Good. we're gonna unpack the current events that you guys touched on we're gonna unpack the matrix scenes and the imagery involved and what they what they meant uh we're gonna get into your court case and how they threw that mm. you know get made made it look like they were helping you when they when they didn't so yeah we've we've got we've got a stack of things to go through but we're gonna we're gonna trudge good. through tom one of the things so. to add to that list that i want to go with the court case thing sure. is the whole thing the battle right now full on is they're sending shills our way and it's a battle over can we make the film originally as it's written Yes, we can. They'll put an injunction on you. That whole battle, that doesn't mean that just means we win. The other part okay. of it is statute of limitations. Kate Chilton, the last thing she did was try to establish that there's a three-year statute of limitation. That's it. Done deal. Not going to yeah. make it. Uh, there's no statute of limitations on me, legally. I want to discuss that. So there's a huge role going on right now about if that's possible. Their attorneys face jail if there's no statute of limitations. I'll show you how there's no statute of limitations. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Make them scared. Wow. This was great. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. All right. God bless you this weekend, and uh, we'll be in touch. 